Hello, and thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Gary Ellard here at Grace Bible Fellowship in Front Royal, Virginia. Some people confuse freedom from sin with freedom to sin, but the Bible is very clear that the freedom we have as believers through the grace of God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ doesn't give us a license to sin, but actually releases us from the bondage to sin. Here's Pastor Gary. Uh, the Bible says that we are freed from sin. Now, is it freedom from sin or is it freedom to sin? What really is it? Doesn't Paul say that everything is permissible, but not everything is profitable? How does that fit in the way we think about God? Can I be a Christian and continue to live in sin? <laughs> I see some shaking their head, no. Romans 6, 1 and 2, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. In some translations, it says absolutely not. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Well, if you do, then it's proof that you do not understand or you really haven't participated in the death, in the burial, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul has in mind a death that puts an individual beyond the power of sin. In Romans 5, 21, it says, So that as sin reigneth in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice it says that grace, if you understand grace, you, it's, it's going to reign throughout your life if you understand it correctly, and it's going to lead to a righteousness that will be eternal. Now the Bible says here in Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is what? Freed from sin. So the question is, have we died? For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Notice what the Bible says. You are to consider yourself dead to sin. And then the Bible says, in 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? May it never be, the Bible says. Notice the question here. It doesn't say that <clears throat> we're not to. The Bible simply says, shall we? 
Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? And the Bible says, may it never be. Now, <clears throat> everyone has faced a situation. Every one of us here, maybe we won't admit it, but we face a situation that when it comes to sin, we have entertained the thought of, why not? Why not? I know that it won't keep me out of heaven. I know that God says he will never leave me for nor, or, nor forsake me. And it's still the same old question. Shall we go on sinning? Since we are not under law, but under grace. Why not give in? I mean, after all, I'm already thinking about it. And then somehow certain scriptures come to our mind. And the Bible simply says that, gives you the idea anyway, that if you're thinking about it, it's the same as doing it. And so we rationalize when it comes to sin. And then we think of what Jesus taught. He said to the, the Jewish people, he says, you have read that you're not supposed to commit adultery. He says, I say unto you, if you look at a woman, you've already committed, with lust, you've already committed adultery. And then he said to them, you've read that you're not supposed to kill. But I say unto you that if you are angry with your brother, you're just as guilty. So we come to the conclusion, well, I'm already thinking about it. I might just as well do it. Now, maybe that hasn't been your experience, but it certainly has been mine. Well, here's why we shouldn't. Here's why we should reject those thoughts. In verse 16, the Bible says this. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are a slave of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. And then the Bible says, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart. You became obedient from the heart, not from up here, but from here. You became obedient from the heart through that form of teaching to which you were committed. I want to talk to you just a little bit about that. Obedient from the heart. So let's go to Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 to find out exactly what happened to you when you said yes to Christ. <clears throat> the Bible says, moreover, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. Notice the spirit is lowercase, meaning a human spirit. 
So let me translate it for you. I will give you a new heart and put a new human spirit within you. And I will remove that heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Then the Bible says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. Notice the sequence. He gives you a new heart, a new human spirit, and he fills you with the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will cause you to walk in my statues. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Why would we be careful? Because we have a new heart. At our deepest core, we are everything God says we are. When the Bible says you are complete, that's exactly what the Bible means. When the Bible says that you are forgiven forever, that's exactly what the Bible means. You are forgiven, you are accepted, you are complete, and the Bible says in Hebrews that you are perfect forever at your deepest core. Not what goes on up here. No, not what goes on up here. Now, the Bible says here in Romans 6.18, And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Paul uses the term or the word slaves. Paul is dealing with a profound psychological fact that human beings are created, are made to be mastered. Did you know that? We are made to be mastered, either of sin or of righteousness. Paul was writing these letters from Corinth, where at least one-third of the population were slaves. And another third, they estimate, were already freed from slavery. In Greece and in Italy, thousands and thousands upon people put themselves into slavery. They put themselves into it. In Rome, the majority of the people were slaves. For slaves, obedience is the only option. They were given a, limit, a limited ability to choose. And Paul speaks of two kinds of slavery. Before we came to Christ, it was our nature to sin. We were born sinners. We didn't ask to be born. We were born sinners with the leaning, the propensity to sin. And we followed through. We sinned before we even knew what sin was about. And then we go to a church, and the church says, you're not supposed to sin. How in the world does that work? And nobody has stopped. Nobody has stopped. And so we get all confused. The Christian has been set free 
from the slavery of sin. But here's the problem. And all of us have gone through it. We were free and we're free to go back. We're free to go back and sin and we do. Like I said, nobody has stopped. We are confronted with temptation. And sometimes that when that temptation comes, because of circumstances, because of a lot of things, we yield. There are some people who often find themselves in depression. I had a wife that often got depressed. And as far as I could understand, I've never been. So it was hard for me to understand. It was hard for me to understand some of the decisions that she often made. I just couldn't understand it. I think we need to understand the principle of sin. I think maybe that would help us. So I'm going to John 8, 34. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin, now that's every one of us, is a slave of the sin. We become a slave to that sin. Well, how does that work? Well, I read of a man, he, he said that he told a little white lie. And he said that he had to tell 42 other lies to back up that little white lie. He became a slave to that sin. There's no question that we still sin, but we also Fine, there's no question that we are born again. And when we were born again, we receive the sequence. We received a new heart. The old heart was taken out. Received a, received a new human spirit. Well, what happened to the other spirit? The one we were born with. It died. It died. You have a new human spirit he gave you a new heart of flesh. When the Bible speaks about heart, it's not this thing that's beating. It's your core. It's your core. He gave you a new human spirit. He gave you a new heart. And then he filled it with the Holy Spirit. And that's what every one of us here have. We are brand new. We are everything that God says we are. He says we're perfect. He doesn't ask us if we feel like we're perfect. He just tells us we are at our deepest core. Now, our wants are changing. You see, when we realize that we have this new heart filled with the Holy Spirit, then we realize that something's changing. And what's changing is our desires. Pretty soon we find ourselves no longer desiring the things that we once were. 
because it's Christ living in us. That's where the change is coming. Sometimes we see it and sometimes we don't. Sometimes other people see it before we do. So our, our desires are changing. Sin is still alive. That's true. And the power of sin, we have control over because we have that new heart, that new mind. We have the power over sin. Now, the question is, are you really righteous? Well, or is God just pretending you're righteous? He tells you you're righteous. So are you really righteous? Is God pretending that we are? Or you hear some people say, oh, you're not really righteous, but God sees you as righteous. As if God puts on his Jesus glasses and sees you as righteous. No. You are righteous. God is not playing tricks with us. He doesn't tell us that we're righteous and then tell us, no, we're really not. No, we are righteous. And some Christians say, yeah, yeah, the Bible does say we're righteous in Christ. In theological terms, some are saying that righteousness has been imputed that means credited to us. But they feel, but not actually imparted. It's not actually imparted to you. I mean, literally given to you. Well, which is it? I mean, if you go to Romans 4, you read about how Abraham was saved by faith. He was righteous, and it was credited unto him. And then in Romans 24, and that relates to us, See if I have 24 Romans, 4, 24. But for our sakes also to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. But I'm here to tell you this morning, there is much, much more to consider about righteousness. The Bible says that we have been spiritually crucified. We have been spiritually buried. We have been spiritually, we have received a new life. There is a real transformation that takes place when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. When God said that you're righteous, it's true. It is absolutely true. Yes, it's credited to you. In 1 John 2.9, excuse me, 2.29, listen to this scripture. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone else or everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Now let me read that again. Do you know, do you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him? 
You see, the only way that you can practice righteousness is to know and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's the only way you can practice righteousness. It's real. You are righteous. It's real. In 2 Peter 1.4, the Bible says this. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. A partaker is one who shares. We are all partakers. We share in what Christ has given to us. He has given to us the gift of righteousness. Our righteousness is real. It's not pretending. It's real. The Bible equates being made righteous with the impartation of a new life. You were given a new heart, a new human spirit, and then God filled you with the Holy Spirit. It was literal. You are the literal, you have the literal presence of the Lord Jesus Christ his resurrection life living in you. Yes. Amen. In Romans 6.20, the Bible says this, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. I can remember when I was a slave to sin. I didn't care about any righteousness. I mean, it didn't bother me to do the right thing. But I didn't care. I didn't care if I did wrong things, bad things. I really didn't care. But then the Bible says, therefore, what benefits were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? When I became a born-again Christian and I sinned, I was ashamed of myself. And then the Bible says, therefore, what benefits the things which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. Now we're going to find out what Paul really meant when he says death. But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefits resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. It's kind of simple, isn't it? When we're born again, our benefits change. We desire the sanctification that the Lord has given given us. The Bible tells us if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Do you practice righteousness? Of course you do. When you treat someone kindly, you're practicing righteousness. When you pick up your Bible and read your Bible, you're practicing righteousness. When you pray and tell God how thankful you are for the beautiful day, you're practicing righteousness. 
Now you can't practice righteousness without being born again. You can't do it. Have you ever questioned whether you're born again or not? You don't have to question that at all because you practice righteousness. Not 100% of the time, I'm not saying that, but you do, you practice righteousness. And the reason you do is because you're righteous. That's why you do it. Now, Paul is talking about death here. So <clears throat> what is this death, what is Paul talking about? He's talking about something that you experience right now while you live. So Paul is telling right now why you live, you can, you can, you can experience death. Death means you are losing your freedom to enjoy the things of God. Did you know that? That's what death means to Paul when he's writing here in Romans. He doesn't mean a physical death. He means a spiritual death. And when we sin, that's what happens. We experience that death. You may feel that life isn't working. You may come to church this morning and you may feel that, man, this stuff just doesn't work. It seems like the world's coming at me and nothing is working out. And then you, you sort of feel a darkness. Actually, death always involves darkness. And so you feel this darkness. And when you come to realize to the Christian, sin is really stupid. When you come to that realization, you know that Christ is just filling you with his love. When you come to that place that sin really is not sort of, not kind of, it's just plain stupid. It doesn't bring us any benefit. It, we, we really, we find no fulfillment in sin. We find a little bit of pleasure sometimes, but that soon drifts away. And there's no fulfillment in it. When we cling to sin, when we refuse to enter into the freedom that Christ has given to us, it's just simply a loss of opportunity. Do you know that many Christians, and perhaps you know some, they're born again Christians, they're safe and secure in Christ, but they've never experienced the excitement that there is in knowing Christ. They've never experienced the joy that there is. You know, the Bible says that we love God because he first loved us. When I first heard that, I tried to figure out, okay, what do I love about God? What, I mean, I don't get this. Oh, he died on the cross. Well, you know, that's great. That's wonderful. He died for me. That's, that, that's wonderful. But how do I fall in love with him? How do I just fall in love with God? Oh, you, you read the Bible and you have quiet time and you do all this kind of stuff and you'll fall in love with him. 
Really? I'm happy for those that have experienced that. But it certainly wasn't my experience. I fell in love with God when I realized who he says I am. I'm his child, he says. I fell in love with God when he says to me, your sins are not only forgiven, they are forgotten. I fell in love with God when he assured me that he would never leave me nor forsake me. No matter what I was going through, no matter what I did in the past, and no matter what I'll do in the future, he will see me through it. I love God because he loved me. I just didn't know what he did for me. I didn't know when I accepted him that he gave me a new heart. He took the stony one out. I didn't know that he gave me a new human spirit. And I didn't know I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I thought I had to speak in tongues or something. Then I would be filled with the Spirit. No. All of these things happen to each and every one of us here. Wow, God is really good, isn't he? Do you know that we're, we're not sinners by nature anymore? Oh, yeah, we still sin. The Bible says that we are saints who occasionally sin. Did you know that? That sort of answered the question why nobody has stopped. Nobody has stopped. I would have thought that Billy Graham or Martin Luther, Calvin, or one of these great men of God would have figured out how to stop. One of the greatest thrills that came over me when I was watching Hannity on Fox News interview um, Billy Graham. And he simply said to him, you know, you're the American's pastor do you have any regrets? He says, I have three. It didn't take him but a second to say, I have three. And what are they? Well, I wish I would have read my Bible more. And then he said, I wish I would have prayed more. And he says, I wish I would have been home more for my wife and children. Those were his regrets. This was America pasture we're talking about. Let me read you something, or before I read the text, sometimes we try to convince ourselves that we can make sin work. Have you ever tried that? I don't think nobody will answer me, but I have. So I'll confess. Uh, we try to justify sin. I have. Um, and we find that there's no fulfillment in sin when you're a born-again Christian. There's just no fulfillment. 
And the reason there's no fulfillment is we're not made to sin anymore. We're just not made to. We are born of God, and we're not made to sin. At times, we listen to our flesh. But you know what Satan wants you to believe? He wants you to believe that you are sometimes in the flesh, and then you're sometimes in the spirit. He wants you to think that way. That, oh, okay, if I read my Bible, study my Bible, pray and everything, I'll be in the spirit. If I don't do those things and I get discouraged or depressed or something, then I'm out of the spirit. So there are times that we walk by the flesh. But let me tell you something right now. You are never in the flesh. Did you know that? You are never in the flesh. And I want to show you a scripture for that. In Romans 8, 9, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of God, he does not belong to him. So we that belong to him, we are never, never in the flesh. There are times that we walk by the flesh. There are times that we listen to what's going on up here and we walk by the flesh. But we are never, ever in the flesh. We are in the spirit 24-7 for the rest of eternity. And there's no way that you're going to miss the boat. You are signed, sealed, and delivered when you were 10 years old and you received Christ as your personal Savior, or when you're 80 years old and you receive him as your Savior. You are safe and secure in Christ. We are still in the Spirit at all times. And when we choose to walk by the Spirit, it's not because we're a slave to sin, because we're not a slave to sin. We are a slave to righteousness. But when we listen to the flesh, we forget. We need to be remembered who we are in Christ. His resurrection power has taken you out of the achieving system and puts you into the receiving system. No longer are you trying to Please God by doing things. You already are pleasing to God. You are in the receiving system. You receive every good thing that God has for you. You have gone from darkness to light. You have gone from slavery of sin to righteousness. Wow, how wonderful is that? How wonderful is that? We are safe and secure in Christ. So let's bow our heads for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for what you've did for us on Calvary. That you have taken away the sin issue, the sin problem. And we thank you for that. Bless us now as we do. For we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ.
Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Grace Bible Fellowship in Front Royal, Virginia. If you'd like more information about our church, please go to www.gracebiblefellowshipchurch.org.